Hey, what's going on, everybody? Before we jump into episode two of this Ability Podcast, I wanted to add a note to the beginning. I'm recording this just a few days after we release episode number one, and I just want to say thank you uh, so much for listening if, if you did to episode number one. I am so grateful. I am so humbled that you took time out of your day to listen to that episode. The amount of feedback that I received uh, was so humbling. I'm so grateful. I received some texts and some messages from people uh, that have their own disabilities or have people with disabilities in their family. And I was just, man, it, it was so incredible. So I just cannot thank you enough for listening, for all the reviews, the ratings, the feedback. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. When I decided to launch this podcast, I was dealing with some insecurities. You know, this podcast is going to be a lot of me being vulnerable and sharing some stories. And uh, for some reason, there was just a lot of insecurity. And I think that's why it took so long to finally release episode number one. But I'm glad I did it. And I just can't thank every single one of you enough. And the second thing I wanted to make mention of this upcoming episode that you're about to hear, uh, we recorded this in October of 2020. Um, my wife and I, Selena, she is the brains of the operation. All right. She is the audio engineer, graphic designer, uh, encourager. She is the best. And, uh, we recorded this in 2020 and I just wanted to make note of the audio is, is not super great. I am kind of a perfectionist, so you might think it's totally fine, but, uh, I just wanted to let you know that it's not as like it's not going to sound nearly as good as this. We use Zoom to record it, and we're just trying to figure some things out. The upcoming episodes will sound way better. But uh, without further ado, let's hop into episode two of the podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Ability Podcast, where we are on a mission to shift perspective, encourage others, and create community. Welcome to This Ability Podcast. I'm so incredibly honored to be joined by Brad Manning. Brad and his brother Brian started an amazing company, a cause-based company called Two Blind Brothers just a few years ago. And uh, I was telling Brad before we hit record, uh, I can relate a lot with visual impairment and things like that, but they have such an incredible story. They've been on Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, they did an amazing TED Talk that I'm going to link in the show notes. But without further ado, Brad, how's everything going in the midst of COVID? I know you got married recently. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's what's funny is, you know, it's been a crazy year for a lot of people and, a, and, a, and then frankly, a bad year for a lot of people. But there have been some blessings that have come out of this, uh, one of which is that um, my former fiance and I, well, that makes it sound like we broke up, but yeah. right now wife, uh, you know, we got married. We were planning a bigger wedding for early next year. You know, we just kind of thought this was a good opportunity to maybe have just an immediate family wedding. My brother got married earlier in the year and actually they did something similar. It was awesome. So instead of letting COVID kind of dictate our plans, we decided to jump into it. So I am a officially on my mini honeymoon or mini moon as they call it and uh yes so far we're a week or two into it a week and a half into it and uh we still like each other so so far oh, so good man. what are you doing talking to me <laughs> oh geez well I, hey get, tell her I'm, I'm sorry for stealing you away but i'm, I'm I'll, I'll uh i honor your time and i'll keep you for just a few minutes but congratulations like i said thank you i i appreciate it yeah it was it was, it was special yeah, it, it really has been such a crazy year. Um, you know, just so much craziness going on. But and we're going to talk about it later. But you know, part of what I want to talk to you guys about, uh, or you about, Brad, is you you're so encouraged all the time, and it's just like, how do you do that? But before we get there, um, I want to talk about your story. So, uh, for you know, any listeners who don't know, just spend a little bit of time talking about Stargarts and and how this whole thing started. Yeah. So. So when I was five years old, I failed the kindergarten eye chart. It took two years to figure out what had happened to my eyesight. Um, I, I ended up getting diagnosed with a condition called Stargardt's disease. It's a juvenile form of macular degeneration. 
oftentimes uh, the condition means that you lose a lot of your center vision over time. A lot of folks with star guards, they keep a decent amount of their peripheral vision, but that sort of started this interesting, um, you know, this kind of unique path where, um, you know, some of the things that were very typical, you know, we, my brother and I would do a little differently. My brother is five years younger, so he got diagnosed five years later. And, you know, we were very, very lucky. We had great resources. We had great parents. They really kind of just reinforced that, you know, this is essentially what life is. I mean, people get hit with challenges and they have to kind of overcome them. And maybe you have bad eyes, but you are given other advantages. And it's all sort of, it doesn't make you any better. It doesn't make you any worse, you know. And, um, and we were really lucky to have that perspective and, uh, you know, through some, you know, probably hard fought lessons to actually fully internalize that we did well in school, ended up, you know, getting a career in New York City. Um, you know, fast forward, I was working at a small investment firm, Brian, my brother uh, was doing sales for a data company. And we basically had this idea one day to start a clothing brand. We've always been very close to an organization called the Foundation Fighting Blindness, which funds early stage uh, preclinical research for different uh, inherited retinal diseases. And one of the challenges that they always have is, you know, how do you make that tangible? You know, if you're feeding the hungry, giving shelter to the homeless, it's very tangible. How do you talk about, you know, the 10, 20 year process, the, you know, the, the promising clinical trials that then fail, but that all sort of lead to this goal of curing these diseases. And, and it was sort of around that same time that there was an incredible medical breakthrough with a, with a therapy called Luxterna that ended up curing a rare form of blindness called LCA. Wow. And, 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 and then we were shopping, the, the idea for the clothing brand came because we were shopping in this store. We, you know, we can't see the prices, the labels, the sizes so well. So we first grab something, figure out if we like the way it feels. And then we'll kind of like do the work, ask the sales associate, break out our iPhone to zoom in um, to figure out if we want it. Coincidentally, he and I lost each other in the store, but ended up buying the same shirt. And one of the main reasons for that is because we both like the way it felt. So that was our aha moment. It We didn't have a business plan behind it. It was really meant as a fun side charitable project. We had a friend who was a Starbucks barista by day, a videographer by night who filmed a video on our story. That got a little traction on social. It ended up snowballing into some publicity. Um, as you mentioned, you know, it got us on the Ellen DeGeneres show and then we ended up in a whole different ball game. And uh, we kind of made the decision after some of that big attention that this is such a rare opportunity in life to be able to work so closely on something you have such a close passion to, something that's fun, something that has an impact that matters to people, that connects us to cool people, like it's connecting you know, me to you today. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so that's when we sort of went full steam. And that was back in like 2017. We started the company in May of 2016. Unbelievable. Um, it, it's just so inspiring as someone who, uh, you know, you're talking about having those challenges shopping. I mean, people don't understand. Like, it's hard for me. I have my eyes are extremely sensitive to the sun. Um, so, going to the coffee shop, if there's a lot of windows, it's even harder. Uh, it's, you, you can't recognize faces. Where do I sit? Where do I go? And it's so crazy. So, that's why your story is insanely inspirational. It's like, how in the world can someone? Uh, we rely on our site so much. It's like, how, how do we, how do you decide to start a company now? So I'm, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to link some things in, in the show notes, that video uh, you've referenced it in, in a bunch of different conversations, that kind of first video that a bunch of people saw. Why did that video work? Why, what was it about the video that, that just blew up? So a couple of things I never, we didn't know prospectively going into any of this that it was going to get the traction it had, but now yeah. we can kind of look back and kind of guess at what sort of was working there. Um, one thing that worked for us was that there was some novelty. You know, we were two brothers who had this shared challenge 
and you know people actually kind of resonate with the idea that maybe if you do lose uh, a sense in in one area you might gain strengths in another area so they they liked the narrative of you know two blind brothers and that attention to sense of touch so even without buying the product there was something to it that felt that they liked but all but more than that was um in a way we did ourselves a lot of favors by not having kind of a strict idea on what the brand was or on a business plan because what it did is it freed us up to just talk very authentically you know if if something were we just decided early on if we didn't love what we were doing we wouldn't be doing this right nobody prospectively goes into a clothing brand to like make a lot of money because it's just an overly competitive, it's like going into the restaurant business. It's just overly competitive. Yeah. And so we, we had the, we had the freedom to kind of just say like, this is what we feel this is what we believe in. You know, we got to be ourselves. And I think it, from now with learning a little bit about marketing, I think that that helped us because the authenticity uh, people connected to the authenticity. They liked the fact that they were seeing someone selling something without actually really selling something. You know, we we almost didn't even talk about the product. We really didn't talk about the product at all in that video. So, you know, and actually, I got to give a lot of credit to the person who made the video. He's he was very underpriced, and but he was very very talented. Yeah. He actually had he took what was a completely kind of amorphous idea in my brother and I's head at that time. We just talked to the camera. He asked us all these prompted questions and then without any input on editing or the style of whatever, he ended up sending something back to us, which was almost like a movie trailer of the story of what we were doing. And, um, and, and, and that, that seemed to work. Um, and, and, and that's how, that's how it, I think it caught some traction. Oh, but the, the other really important part is that the visually impaired community lifted it up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's 11 million Americans in the U.S. with a retinal eye disease. A lot of those folks are older folks with macular degeneration. But the bottom line is one in 30 people, you know, have one of these. So everybody knows somebody. So when and it's not a community that is traditionally extremely well organized at, or at least it wasn't, you know, five years ago when we were doing this. So I think what happened is when somebody saw this video, they thought, Oh my gosh, like this is what, you know, this is what's similar to what aunt Sarah has, you know, or this is what, you know, my friend, John, you know, my friend, John, John's mother has macular degeneration. So it felt very personal to a lot of people. I think that was another reason that, that it, we got a lot of help. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I think, and that's a free, free business lesson, right? Just be authentic. Um, and that, that, that was uh, what a powerful thing you just said. Like you didn't even sell the product in, in that video. You just told a story and that's yeah. what got all that, that, that uh, coverage. That is amazing. You, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned your parents a moment ago and in some of the, you know, kind of preparing for this conversation, you're always so honoring about your parents. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, what did they do? What, what did the parent? I mean, I just, I can imagine my mom and dad. I mean, I was six or seven, similar to you. And hearing them tell, hearing, my mom and dad sitting in the doctor's office and hearing, hey, your son's going to be blind. I can't imagine the pain. But they put mm-hmm. a smile on and, and we made it through. But what did they do? And, and yeah. Because it's like, for parents listening to this, that yeah. diagnosis or an obstacle, whatever it might be, talk to those parents. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'll tell you, uh, so I'll tell you exactly what happened. So I actually didn't know what my parents and specifically my mom's reaction was, you know, in the first moment, I, I actually asked her that about two years ago after we heard so many stories from so many people. Cause when I was growing up, it felt like it was like, uh, it, it was just nothing. It was like, what it was, it was so minimized or just relegated to, you know, uh, the fact of, of this is life that, you know, it never got any special attention. And so I asked my mom what it was like. She said that it surprised me a little bit. She said she was devastated. 
when she heard this. She said it was so tough to hear the news and when she came home. But she said one thing that really struck her was she noticed that that I was so young that the news essentially had zero effect on me. We went to the doctor's office. They said I had this vision issue. I came home. I went right back to playing the same games, playing with the same toys, hanging out with my friends as if nothing had happened. Right. And she said that kind of made a mark on her because she was like, oh, I don't want this horrible projection that I'm feeling to actually influence him. He's doing just fine right now with this news. Like, why would I need to get in the way of that? And she said that helped her kind of make that shift. But tr truthfully, you know, I want to give her even more credit than that. She is very, very against any type of victim mentality. Wow. So yeah, I like I, I remember. So it's funny. I actually haven't. I don't think I've really ever mentioned this in another interview. But I'm actually I'm a type one diabetic as well. I'm on an insulin pump. Wow. And and that happened when I was in when I was 13 or 14 years old, and my sister had it as and my sister had is a type one diabetic. She was diagnosed uh, earlier, so I knew the symptoms. I ended up getting diagnosed. They took me out of school. I went to these doctor's visits. And I was like, I'd watched all the work that my sister had to do with this. So I was, I was bummed. I was like, this is lame. Okay. Brian's got the eye condition, you know, Katie's got the diabetes. Now I have both like this, something about this feels kind of unfair. And, um, I remember, you know, coming home from one of the nutritionist appointments, I was teaching me about all the things I should be careful about when I'm eating now. And I remember lying on my living room floor. And kind of, and I was 14 years old and I was just waiting for kind of like my mom to kind of like find me in the room. Like I felt very entitled to sympathy. Wow. And she walked in the room and she just said, what are you doing? I go, I just, I, I don't feel good. You know, I said, I don't like, I don't feel good. I'm in a bad mood. And like, this is a day after getting diagnosed. And she just said, look, you're going to have to go back to school. Like tomorrow you have two options. She's like, you have two options. She's like, you can be sad and do whatever, but that's, she goes, honestly, that's just not going to help you at all. She goes, you're best off just doing these things that the doctor told you to do and just go back to doing what you were doing. And, and it, it was hard to hear and it wasn't easy all the time or whatever. And truthfully, I don't even know if that's necessarily all the right advice for everybody. I mean, there is a time for grieving and there is a time for adjustment and there is a time to get educated. I mean, so, but, but, you know, for whatever reason, it worked okay. It worked, it worked out well for me. You know, it made me kind of just, it, it made me kind of just do the same thing that happened with the vision impairment. You know, you just relegate it to this just aspect of life. Okay. I got to get up and brush my teeth every day. I got to go to bed every night. I got to get dressed every day. Now I have to just take insulin too. You know, it just became, it just became part of life. So I think that's what she did that helped us so much is that a very strong kind of like no excuses, no victim kind of mentality. Yeah. Jeez. That is uh thank you for sharing all of that. That's um, that's crazy. I, so I, I have two little girls and so we did some genetic testing and, and they should not be affected by anything I have. And I'm grateful for that, but I, I'm just like, I always, I'm so grateful for my parents and like how they, like it, it, it was just a part of life. And I think mine, my issue certainly progressed slowly, more, more slowly than yours did. Uh, Cause I was able to drive at 16, but eh, it started to get 18 and things started to go downhill a little bit, stop playing sports and things like that. But my parents, we, we didn't really focus on it. It was like a thing. Uh, and it was okay that we didn't like talk about it all the time. And now we have much more of an open dialogue where we kind of realize, uh, all of my struggles. And I've, I've really been like, Hey mom, I can't see your face and you're eight feet away from me. Right. And I just, it's impressive, man. I, I think our parents, uh, they shape so much of, of our upbringing and it's, so that's just amazing. What a hero, uh, your mom is. She's tough. She, you know, she's, she's like, she's like a real tomboy. Like we, you know, she's like, actually, this is just like a funny anecdote. This is a, yeah. I, I know it's a little off topic. So Please. we, we get on the, we get the call after many interviews that we're going to be on the Ellen DeGeneres show. 
my brother and I are freaking out. We can't believe it. This is a project we started seven months ago. We got a random call from their producer after they saw something online. Yeah. And I call my mom and I'm like, hey, I was like, we got some kind of cool news. Like, you know, that little project Brian and I have been working on. Well, we're going to be on, you know, this big, big time show, you know, the Ellen DeGeneres show. And um, my mom's like, oh, my gosh, I like that's so cool. She goes, actually, I I had something really ridiculous happen, too. She goes, there's a show called Iron Resurrection about restoring old cars and they want to film me restoring my 1940s Ford truck. And I was like, okay, yeah. So she she has an episode on this like Iron Resurrection, like so so I mean this is like totally out of the blue. And I'm at that moment I knew I was never going to outcompete mom ever, you know. So so yeah. But anyway, so she she you're you know I she's a cool woman and she she helped us out a lot. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, I know you have your master's in psychology, and you you mentioned something about uh, how like getting a, a diagnosis, how impactful it is on self-esteem. So I wanted you to talk to, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about so many different types of people that have some sort of diagnosis or some issue. Talk to us about the psychology behind being diagnosed with something. If it's a, a cancer diagnosis or, Hey, you're going blind, but I'm curious yeah. if you could just talk about that. How does it affect your, your thoughts or the mindset? What's like, you know, it's a great question, and one of the things that makes it a tough question yeah. is that there isn't is that the 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 answer is different for people who are in different stages of their journey. Okay, so like so like you know that mom that whose son is just diagnosed, or that person who gets hit with you know your example of a cancer diagnosis, right? Yeah. The, there is an emotional reaction in that moment that you, they you, you're not ready to hear that it doesn't matter. Okay, you're you, you're not ready to hear that it doesn't matter. Step one is education, right? Education and and mentorship around that particular condition, right? So if you're diagnosed with an eye condition, maybe you are, you know doing what somebody might be doing, watching this podcast. Okay, let me see people that have lived this particular challenge and see what they say works. Okay, all right, what are the implications? What can I do to make it better? What can I do to handle it, right? So there's an education and an, and an adjustment period. I, I don't think it's fair to hold somebody up to some standard where they're supposed to feel 150% empowered by it you know, the minute they get hit with it, you know, I, I don't think that that's realistic, but what they can do is they can just, they can get educated. Okay. So then, then what happens? Well, then you enter like, a, you know, this period of whatever the condition, it's either shame or embarrassment or this downtroddenness about it, this feeling of it being unfair. Okay. And, and, and so in that circumstance, you know, it, the tough part is you're you're looking for how to cope, right? A person in that situation is is trying to figure out how to cope. And when I reflect on my own experience, like maybe I'm in middle school or high school at this moment, and you know somebody makes fun of my eyesight or asks how many fingers am I holding up or they whatever. And my reaction at that time is to try to avoid all of those situations. Mm. Okay, I'm not gonna go near that kid because he's mean to me every single time. I'm gonna try to make myself so small in the classroom so that the teacher isn't gonna call on me or the, or the substitute teacher that doesn't know I can't see isn't gonna make me try to read a paragraph in front of the class and then I gotta tell, so you're, you're hiding, okay? And, um, and, and that's, that's a coping mechanism. Now, hopefully, and then actually, you know, so what's better than be, than hiding is, you know, is actually being able to go on the attack. So then sometimes you'll see people who are in this particular framework where they, where they, they become like, 
um, very, uh, they, be, they become hyper aggressive about their particular condition. Oh, you didn't give me a large print menu, a, blind, a, a braille menu when I walked into your restaurant or, oh, you're telling, you're giving me some about my service dog or whatever, you know, I'm going to sue you, you know, you know, you're ADA, you know, it, you, you can see it. They get, they, they will, uh, the world has attacked them enough. They're tired of hiding and now they're going on the attack, right? So you sometimes, but truthfully, and, and actually to be honest, there, I am, I'm glad that there are people out there that are such huge advocates. I mean, these are people who are lobbying for rights. These are people making sure that there's an equal playing field for everybody. This is making sure that there's equal work opportunities and things like that. And, and there needs to be people whose mission is to help advance and protect you know, this community. I, uh, my wish for everybody is that they don't harbor either those feelings of shame or the feeling that they're being attacked and that they need to attack everybody. You know, I hope they get to a place where they say, you know, I've got bad eyesight. This guy has his issues or this girl has her issues, right. you know, and, and we are all on this very complicated journey and one of the things that is just universal for everybody is that there you are going to get hit with challenges if you aren't born with them you will find a way to manufacture them sometimes the people who are most screwed up are the people who actually have had too much you know um have been protected too much you know so 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 i i think the i think the world is about finding those challenges and, 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 and fighting through them. I believe that all of your gifts or a lot of your gifts come through your ability to, to embrace those challenges. That's where you learn assertiveness, resilience, um, independence, creativity, resourcefulness. Without friction, there is often not much growth, you know? And, and, and so I, I really believe that we are kind of one and the same. And, and, and that's a hard message to share with somebody who's in the midst of a difficult situation because I think there are some, there are some real moments there. There are some real tough things and it's not realistic to never have those awkward moments or be treated unfairly. But if you can get to a place where you feel like you have as much right to belong or to compete as anybody else, then at least you haven't allowed your physical impairment to become a psychological one. Wow. Uh, you, you mentioned the word shame. And when I, I heard, I've heard it said that blindness, like if you don't have a, a dog, you don't have a cane, right? It's this, um, it's, it's an invisible disability. And what I've tried to change my outlook at, um, I think there's a lot of people that deal with a disability, but it's not a physical handicap. And I think it's things like shame. I think it's things like, like fear. Um, I think it's something like discouragement. And you, you have, in every talk I've watched of you and Brian, the reason it's encouraging and inspiring is because like, and, and now mind you, those might be your highlights, but what do you do, Brad, when it's a random Wednesday? Are you ever frustrated by your eyes? Like, are you ever so discouraged or like, I don't know. How, how do you deal with fear? How do you deal with discouragement on just a random day? Because when we're having a conversation like this, some of us are yeah. saying, this guy is, a, he is Superman. Like this is crazy. Yeah. But what are those, those random Wednesdays? Yeah. You're just, yeah. No, what do you do? no it, so 100% those moments happen. Okay. So, you know, you go to like, you know, I'm on my mini honeymoon and I got a, and we decide, so we're at this like little resort, we're going to go get massages and I have to like fill out that form that tells the masseuse everything that I need to know. I can't see it. It wasn't sent to me digitally, you know, and, and you know, I, luckily my wife is here to help me, but certainly I've been in that situation a million times where you say to the staff person with the other customers next to you and behind you, you say, Hey, I can't, I, I actually, I have bad vision. I can't see this. You know, can I get some help on this? Right. 
And, you know, you wish you didn't have to draw that attention onto yourself. Or maybe it's an even more severe consequence where you're, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to apply for a job and now you know you're not going to get it because of X, Y, Z. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> any one of those specific challenges, you're not going to feel good about them, right? The ultimate question is when the dust settles and you're now out of that situation, can you get up, go do it again? Can you move on to the next thing without passing all of these crazy judgments on yourself about, you know, why life is unfair or whatever? You know, it's like just, it, you know, it, 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 it's easier said than done. Embrace the awkward moment for what it is. You know, let it get to you, whatever you got to do. But it, it, but the magic of it, the really ironic part about it is that, you know, somebody without that eye condition and with no sort of physical impairments, they've never put been put into a situation where they're made to feel awkward. OK, so so imagine you're applying for a job for the first time. And, and you've stood you've stood down peers, teachers, you know, uh, just people you've had to interact with who like all of a sudden y you have some awkward moment with them or or you get like shamed in some small way. Mm -hmm. Well, now, fast forward, you're in a job interview, a competitive job interview. And, you know, the interviewer is a tough interview. It's a tough job. And they say, like, you know. You know, that's not the, you know, why'd you go to that school or why, why'd you study that major? We don't actually hire people with that major or, or, uh, you know, answer this kind of little, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, these like uh, mind questions will ask, like how many ping pong balls fit in an aircraft carrier or something. Let, you know, you'll get hit with a something that is meant to put you uh, on your heels. Yeah. If you've embraced those moments throughout your life, you will be well, well, well more equipped to, to handle that, you know? And, and so it, it, it's not something you can appreciate in the specific moment of the challenge, but over a lifetime of embracing those moments, you are going to be stronger than the next person. You know, it doesn't feel good to walk, walk around all day with a 30 pound weight vest, but if you are that person walking around with a 30 pound weight vest, as soon as you enter that, that, push up, pull up a running competition, you know, and everybody has to wear that weight vest, then you're going to do way, way better than them. You know, that, that, that's how I think about it. Wow. It's, uh, it's just, it's unbelievable. And thank you again for sharing and being vulnerable and open about this because I'm 28 and I still struggle with that embarrassing moment of uh, where do I swipe my credit card? I can't yeah. see, or I can't see the menu. I, yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, there are, some, by the way, for anybody who is like actually dealing with a vision and thing, I'll give you some like also just like practical, tactical advice that we've learned, that we've learned. Okay. Yeah. I've learned that no one is scared of the loud person. They're scared of the quiet person. Okay. Yeah. So if I have trouble seeing something, you know, and I just, and I can explain to them, Hey, yeah, I've got crappy eyes. So I can't see that well. I don't have my glasses. You know, sure. I, I'm gonna need help on this. I'm just gonna need. I, so I, I need one of you guys to help fill this out. Or, or if I'm going to swipe the credit card, I can't see. You got to tell me where to swipe that. Or what does that say? You know, to, to the extent. One of the weird things about that we've learned through this is the way that we project that we feel about it is the way that other people feel about it. You know, it's like it's like going on a it's like sometimes like going on a date with somebody you don't know, you know, it it, it it it's weird. You can kind of like flip the script a little bit. If they if they, you know, at some point it gets disclosed that you have sort of this eye condition, but they see somebody who is so strong, so assert so has their crap together despite a tough challenge well that only signals that how freaking awesome they are you know so so a lot of this is like the more you get good with yourself and the more that you can actually project that like people seem to fall in line and 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 that that's just that's something that 
we learned through a lot of tough moments, you know, and, and we learned about it from doing it wrong so many times. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. And, and it's funny. Uh, I really just wanted to have a conversation with you. So I, I, that's for me. I don't know if anybody else. <laughs> I just, I really appreciate that. Cause it's, um, I'm so thankful for my wife and I rely on her so much. And she always reminds me, Hey, if you have to ask, no one cares. Like if you're like, yeah. Hey, I can't see where I'm going or where is this? No one cares. Yeah. So it's like, just get over it. And it, I think, yeah, it's I, even, you know what? It, she's, she's so right, but it's yeah. even better than that. People love to be needed. Wow. People love to be useful. Somebody comes up to me on the street and asks in New York city and asks where to get somewhere. Like if I'm not in a total rush, yeah. I, I love it. I'm like, you, you came to the right person. I'm going to make your, this trip so much easier for you. Like just go three blocks here and you feel good. I mean, wow. it, giving somebody the opportunity to help you actually makes them feel great. Like it, it's not that you're not taking from them. You're actually giving to them most of the time. It's a weird, it's, it's weird, but it, it's, it's absolutely true. Wow. I mean, I, I've, that right there, uh, let's, let's get a snippet of that. And like that, that's, that's, uh, that's worth, worth a price of admission right there. That's it's like, you know, it's, it's like in business too. It's like, you know, I, I had the chance to meet the former like CEO of, uh, of J crew and, and the former CEO of Gucci. Okay. To, to, so you think like me going up to these guys and saying like, Hey, can I ask you a couple questions? I mean, you, you know, there's a side of you that wants to say like this, I am the last person that this guy wants to talk to. He's going to think I'm trying to like sniff his throne to like get in his network or I'm going to ask, or he's, even though we would, we can't do this to my brothers because it's, it's not for profit. Like maybe he's thinking I'm going to ask him for an investment or something like, like he doesn't want it. The truth of the matter is, is once he finds out that you're just trying to aspire to, to learn to grow a project with something that he already knows, nothing makes them feel better than to try to give some advice to somebody. I mean, people love to help. So asking for help is actually like, you're not taking from people. You're, you're actually giving them an opportunity. Wow. That's unbelievable. Um, and time, time's flying. I want to, I want to let you get back to that. that minute. Oh, we got pl plenty of time. No, no worries. I appreciate that. Uh, I was talking to my wife actually about just, we've watched some stories and, and we've been watching you guys and this is her question. I'll give her the credit for it. But she's how 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 much does hope factor in to your you, clearly like you're you're energetic and excited and encouraged on this call, and um, I, I I want you to be able to talk about the company in just a little bit. Um, you give all the profits to fighting blindness, and it's incredible. How much does hope factor in? to your, your mission, your drive, your wake up on Monday and let's build the company. Let's do better. What, what, what is hope? Uh, how does that factor in? You know, it's a tough one because I'll just give you the reality of it. You know, I've been told since I was five years old that they're going to cure these things every three years, you know? Right. Yep. So inevitably you have a healthy skepticism around that. And truthfully, that's why it's so important to actually get comfortable with, with who you are and, and where you are at. You know, I think hope is very important because it, you know, because the ability and it, to, to fight and move forward is a, it, it is a real luxury and it, and it actually gives you, it's, it's part of this idea of being sort of a, 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 a somebody who can enjoy the journey or be a process oriented person. So it's like, it's like, you know, if I'm miserable until the day that there's a, a, a cure, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, maybe in some version of reality, that's practical because there isn't going to, because there is no cure and I do have bad eyesight. But the, 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 the truth of the matter is, if you can actually embrace that idea that you're getting up and, and you're fighting and you're pushing for something and, and, and actually it's funny too, cause hope for hope's sake doesn't really make a lot of sense. That's like, uh, that's like just un, unconditional optimism. Right. But wow. I think now that I'm kind of thinking through your question, when I look at something like Lux Sterna 
where there's a uh, where there's actually a therapy that is reversing blindness in several hundred children a year. It's like you know that is just exciting, you know, and that that kind of and you know we are so lucky to live in the midst of a medical revolution. We're so lucky to live in the midst of the digital age where communities like the visually impaired community can all connect, you know. So I think hope is very important to maintain. Um, I, I also believe that, you know, you also want to be a realist as well. Um, and, and so it's, it's kind of finding that balance. Um, you know, the hope really comes into play when you can really get conviction on something, you know. So sometimes your greatest source of hope is when other people aren't hopeful. You know, I, I've noticed that, that too. Like, you know, part of the reason that I'm more energized, you know, when I'm talking to someone like you than in my daily life is I'm... I'm thinking about what it was like for my parents when I was diagnosed. I'm thinking about how I felt when I was in sixth grade, you know, and I want them, I want them to like, see that, like, look, like it's, it's not like that. You know what I mean? I want them to understand like by not just me saying it, but I want them to feel it. Like this is, this is not how, if you're at your very lowest moment, it's not, that is not reality, you know, and, and we're an example of it. You're an example of it. And there's lots of other people out there as well. I, I feel like I just need to thank you for, for sharing that uh, because like it, it's such an easy place to get to that low moment where you're just so discouraged or you're whatever it might be. Uh, everybody's got an obstacle, whether it's visual impairment or, or whatever. And just to be able to like, Hey, this is a reality. Um, just thank you for sharing that. So, I, so there, you know, there's another person, like I got it. So you got to look up this documentary called Claire on YouTube about a girl that has cystic fibrosis and, she, and it's a, it, it actually touches you as an incredibly sad story, but yeah. so she's, so she's dying and wow. she's been in the process of dying since she was like two years old when she was diagnosed with this. She's, I think she's from the ages of like 15 to 20 over the course of this documentary. She has an amazing quote that knocked me out of my chair. I couldn't, it was so, it, it spoke to me so in, intensely and, and it was so authentic coming from her. Yeah. She says, people come into her room in the hospital. She lives in a hospital room. And she says, when it's like one of her parents' friends or some friend of friend of friend, they come in, they see her with her tube, her breathing tubes, and they say, oh, I'm so, uh, this, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, this is so tough. You know, I'm so, you know, uh, like, I'm sorry you're stuck in this hotel, in this hospital room. Yeah. She says, that's the worst part about having the condition. She wow. said, I'm a, she says, I'm a happy person. I'm trying to make the most of my life, my short life. Wow. Stop coming in here and trying to project how horrible like I should feel. And then she has this great quote where she says, when you pity somebody, you disempower them. And I thought that was a great idea. You know, it's like when you pity somebody, you disempower them, you know? So I, I, you know, it's just, and, and it, it, that implies to yourself too. When you, when you feel sorry for yourself, you're robbing yourself of, 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 of what could be more potential, you know? And I, I thought that was a great point as well. Speaking of great quotes and, and just kind of segueing here, the reason I want to call this, this ability podcast is I want people to be able to focus on the abilities they do have. And that's what I'm trying to do here. I sent you an email, sent your company an email. I was like, do I DM him? What do I do? <laughs> because I'm like, if I, I just got to try it, I just okay. got to make it happen. And there's so many times I've had ideas or something and I just haven't done it. So I was like, I just got to make it happen. But you said something that I want you to unpack in your, your Ted talk. Uh, again, talking about great quote, mic drop moment. The last thing you said was that your greatest challenge is your greatest gift. And I'm going to link it, but for somebody who didn't see the TED talk or didn't see everything, unpack that thought. Yeah, no, you know, where it comes from. So I'm like a hyper kind of, I'm a, I'm a, I'm too analytical. My brother is like way funnier than I am. And he's probably the reason like we get some of the media we have. Sure. So I get nervous. When I say something like that, my head goes to, okay, I want people to know, I don't mean like, okay, you know, you, you lost this, the closest person to you, you get your arm cut off, 
right. you know, and now, and now you're supposed to interpret this as this great special moment for you, yeah. right? Yeah. What I mean by that is that it, it, what we were saying earlier, there's no growth without friction. So if I didn't have to walk up to that chalkboard when I was in first grade and take on the social pressure of the class or tell every teacher that I ever had that I can't see and these are my accommodations or, you know, or yeah. find, find the way that was effective for me for like handling, you know, an insult or a bully or, or that teasing or being made to feel smaller. If I didn't have all of those things, and I, I wasn't able to learn through those. Maybe I wouldn't have been able to do things like, you know, uh, to talk to my now wife in that bar without kind of being worried that she was going to like me or not. Wow. Maybe, I, maybe that first job I had, I would have been flinching. You know, I would have just been too nervous to actually assert myself. So what's funny is that the hardest thing that you have to go through actually forces you to garner all of your greatest strengths so it's like as horrible as it is if our like house collapse tomorrow the process of figuring out where we're going to live how we're going to rebuild how we're going to like that is going to call forth so much so much um so many skills that in a weird it, that some of your greatest gifts in life come from your greatest challenges yeah. And, 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 and the people who have no challenges, they unfortunately don't get a chance to, 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 to develop all of their potential. Wow. Brad, you're so inspiring. Uh, so encouraging. And, and, and that's the, that's the point of this, um, this whole thing, whatever this is going to turn into is like, I want to inspire people. I want people that that situation that you just described happened to them. And it's like, man, where do we go from here? But it's voices like yours that can, that can help people. And I'm just, thank you for, for sharing all that you have, uh, you, you have in this conversation. And I, I'd like to uh, just talk about the company for a little bit. I took so much of your time. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> but talk about where people can find you. I, I love the Shop Blind Challenge. So talk about the website what yeah. you guys have going on, uh, what's coming up. Sure. So, so, you know, so we, you, two blind brothers, it's, it's a clothing brand. We make the softest shirts we possibly can. And we give the profits to preclinical research to help to cure blindness. We, we have a lot of fun with it. You know, we've had this kind of this experiment that started about a year or so ago. Now we run it full time. It's called the shop blind experience. Um, essentially, we did it as a one-time thing. Then customers and people responded to it so well that now we have created this sort of evergreen experience. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is um, it actually gets back to something we were mentioning before, but with one of the tools that my brother and I have found the most useful is actually trusting other people for help. So if I can't see a menu in a restaurant, trusting the waiter, or a stranger next to me for what the menu for what their favorite thing is actually is sometimes easier than me trying to like zoom in on my on the menu or 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 looking it up online and using voiceover or whatever. Sure. If I'm at on a subway train and I can't see the stop, turn to the person next to me and say, Hey, do you mind just letting me know? These little acts of trust yeah. always lift us up. Wow. So the the shop blind experience. It's a it's a sort of an exercise in trust. Would you trust us and buy something without being able to see it? So we set up these price points, and you know, and we ask the question: Would you shop blind? And and it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we're starting to get all these like kind of unboxings on yeah. like YouTube and TikTok and stuff like that. So if anybody kind of like can't handle the not knowing at all, I'm sure they can, you know, search YouTube and see how people have reviewed it. But it is, it it, it usually is different uh, every time. So, um, but anyway, it's been a lot of fun. It's an exercise in trust, um, you know, and uh, and 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 what we are all about is is the community. The fact that we get to 
the greatest gift that this project has given us is actually the ability to kind of like go back in time yeah. to where we may have been with our former selves and to be able to say like, oh, like there's all these like tough things, but here's what we learned from it, you know, and that is incredibly like rewarding for us, you know, and so any opportunity we get like with you today, we want to, we want to take it. So that's, uh, that, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, hey, they give 100% of the profits to uh, fighting blindness. And, and again, um, this is audience aside, no one else is listening, Brad, I just want to thank you because it's interesting thinking about prepping for this interview. I mean, you guys are literally trying to find a cure for my disease. And uh, that, that kind of blows my mind. It humbles me. I'm just honored that you decided to, to join me today. Um, and I, I'm just excited because people are going to be so encouraged. Um, so just yeah. thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing these things and, and taking the time uh, today. And uh, go to twoblindbrothers.com. Matter of fact, I was, I was bummed. Uh, you guys got back to me too fast. Shout out to Shannon and Angela. Just this guy <laughs> that helped me out. They were great. Um, I wanted the Henleys are like the, it's like the most gorgeous, perfect fitting Henley I've ever seen. And I was like, I'm going to get one. So I can be like, guys, look, I got my, I got my swag on, but uh, I didn't, I didn't get it yet. So I want to take advantage uh, of the shot blind challenge. The uh, perspective t-shirt. I talk about perspective all the time. Love that as well. But Brad, thank you seriously, man, from the bottom of my heart. Honored that you decided to join. Thank you for being vulnerable. Dude, yeah, and and you know, with your thing that you're doing, I'm honored that you you thought to reach out. I'm 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 pumped that you're inspired to do the podcast. You know, one thing that we learned from the Two Blind Brothers thing is we were gonna do it regardless of any success whatsoever because it was so fun to right. do. Right. And if you can kind of like, if you can kind of like, if you're just like kind of getting into it because because you just like you just love something about it then then it, then the rest of it will will take care of itself you know uh, you know and, and you'll 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 figure it out over over time i'm sure i'm sure it'll do well and not and actually the coolest part about it is you get to you get to meet lots of people so i'm i'm, I'm pumped for you thank you so much for listening to this episode of this ability podcast I hope you are coming away from what you heard today feeling both challenged and encouraged. I hope you start to look at some of the disabilities or disadvantages in your life just a little bit differently and begin to leverage the abilities that you do have to become the best version of yourself. I would be honored if you would take a moment and hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on and share this with your friends and family. I'm so grateful that you decided to join me today. And I will see you again real soon.